On this episode, we're talking Mr. Inbetween. She opened sunlight at the National Gallery of Victoria. The hitman's wife's bodyguard. And putting things on the roof of your car. Okay, should we go? Yep, let's go. Welcome to the Clappers. This is Andrew Young. And this is Carl Quinn. There he is. Back from the mists of time. Oh, they've been so misty, the times, they've haven't been... they? <laughs> I've been enjoying some really misty times lately. <laughs> well, I'm not sure there's been a lot of time to enjoy, really. Well, well there's been plenty of time. Yeah, it's I'm the mists sure of nostalgia I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, when we used oh, to be I able see. to go places and do things. Oh, I remember that. I remember have, that. Now we have to do them in our home. I went to, we're, we are in, uh, we're recording this from the heart of lockdown number six. Truth. And, oh dear Lord. Um, and and, and, and that, loving it. And that brief window, yeah. seven, possibly eight days yeah. when we were back to, you know, being open again. Um I went to I went to the movies. Yeah. I went to a, I went to a uh, preview of a, um, a documentary about the Triffids um, called Love in Bright Landscapes. Well, it's it's actually about David McComb rather than about the Triffids, but inevitably they always are, aren't they? that means it's about the Triffids as well. Um, and uh, enjoyed it. I saw it. I saw it at Acme, um, and there was a little post. It was a sort of uh, you know family and friends kind of screening, and then afterwards there was a little gathering in um, Hero, the uh, the restaurant bar thing at Acme. And I went in, and I was I was I think the first person there, and I looked around and went, oh okay, so it's just going to be here. It's just going to be then, me. <laughs> it's just going to be me. No, no, some some people. <laughs> It's fine. That, that sort of crowd I could handle, and, and then people started filing in, and I really quickly realised I don't think I'm ready for this. I don't think I'm ready oh. to be in a, a room with people cheek by jowl, yeah. and uh, yeah. and so I left. I left, and oh. uh, yeah. So I didn't. I didn't have that experience of of you know being in a crowded room with people, other than having been in the cinema, obviously with masks on and all the rest of it, and uh, and then you know. Two days later, bang, we're back. Yeah. That's not even an option. Regrets? So, mm, it's a funny old time we're in, isn't it? Yeah. Do you, do you regret not availing yourself of the uh, taxpayer's hospitality? Uh, it wasn't taxpayer hospitality. It isn't was, Acme a taxpayer-funded organisation there? There were some snacks on and I would have had to buy my own drinks. And, oh, okay. and so, oh, okay. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but... Mm, I was hungry. <laughs> Came home and had a bowl of cereal. <laughs> I, 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 there are certain times of day where I am ravenous, and I, no amount of decorum is going to stop me from making a pig of myself. Right. If 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 I'm in that position, uh, I went to a, a little opening thing in the times when we were allowed to as well at a place called the Counts, which is uh, in the Ian Potter Performing Arts Centre at Monash. They have a club on there every. When it's on, you know, when we're allowed to go, it's on every Wednesday night, and there are all these different acts performing. And I wasn't drinking; I'd driven my car from work there, and every time that tray came past, it was like six six thirty at night. I just swooped on every hors d'oeuvre, yeah. and they just came straight for me after a while. I said, "Yeah, just go. He's going to want it. It doesn't matter what it is; he'll just eat two of them." I um I I have. <sighs> 
was going to say I've mastered the art of of like the canopy swooping at that bit of social <laughs> events. Yes. I don't, I don't know, I don't know that it's something I should be too boastful about because uh, it is, it's a slightly. <laughs> Do you stand near the door? I stand. I find myself yeah, absolutely, standing absolutely. near the door when they come. You go. Out. You basically oh, you, no. you enter the room. It's like really crowded. Like yeah. there's the DJ. There's whatever. Mm-hmm. There's the bar. Okay, you scope out the bar. Get yourself a drink, and then yeah. you go. Okay, where are the? Where's the food coming from? You work out which of the swinging doors you want to be near. You position yourself there, and basically they come out and like the seagulls, and you go grab a couple of things. Yeah. Anyway, it's um. Well, I've I've you know for I've been to events where I did not do that, and I've either ended up really drunk really quickly because you know you're drinking and yakking away, and but there's no food or just ravenous, just ravenous. So it depends on the time. If it's if I've had survival of the fattest, Andrew. That's what it is. If I've had a nice dinner and it's you know post, I'm I'm quite happy to let those little volivants and sausage rolls and things go past, and I'm cool. Um, Mm. (laughs) so both of us have seen an exhibition you probably went to the opening I I went a few weeks later as a paying customer Uh, and in these times you had to book for this exhibition She Open Sunlight at the NGV Uh, but you could like book and sort of turn up an hour after booking you didn't have to book too far in advance which is good and uh, it's at the Ian Potter Centre, speaking of Ian Potter again, at the NGV in Fed Square. Uh, what did you think of this exhibition of Australian Impressionism? Interesting name for this exhibition. I enjoyed it, and I particularly enjoyed the fact that there was, um, uh, you know, a, a reasonable selection of, of female artists in it, which is um, something that I think they very self-consciously yes. um, sought to do. They um, were, you know, very very keen to... Highlight the fact that it wasn't just the blokes no, who were painting. Um, it was the Janes, Jane Sutherland, yeah. Jane Price, Florence Fuller. Uh, I liked how they would visit the camps. People may know, have heard about those Heidelberg gents. They'd go up near, near here to Heidelberg and camp for days. Um, Arthur, young Arthur Streeton. Um, and uh, who was the guy who did Shearing the Rams and Bailed Up? Tom Roberts. Tom Roberts. And the ladies mm. would come and visit for the day and, and then get the bus or... or, or the coach home because decorum prohibited them from camping out as well. I actually look forward to going to it again. I'm glad it's on for quite a It's on until the end of August, but it's nice when, when it's on for a few months and you have the chance, if you want, you can go back and look at things again. Yeah, well, um, it's quite a while ago that I saw it, so um, I, I wouldn't mind going and refreshing my memory, sharpening oh, up my and impressions. I, and I tell you mm. what, if you do go again, you can, there's a nice bargain on offer I just saw here. I just click, quickly clicked on to make sure I didn't get any dates or anything wrong. Um, if you like Francisco de Goya, as I do, they've got an exhibition of his drawings um, lent to us from the Prado in Madrid. You can get in for the very bargain price of $10 uh, to see that if you go uh, to this Australian Impressionism exhibition. So if people listening want to make themselves a a nice day of it. Once we are allowed out to go to exhibitions, we can do that. So I've seen this show called Mystic In Between. It's on Foxtel. And I saw it all back to front. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> what do you mean you saw back I, to front? You started I, in the start, final episode I, and worked no, your way back? I, I reckon I started about three episodes <laughs> before the end of the... Oh, what? Of, it's a three-season three show. 
And yeah. there is there is a chronology, mainly in the sense that there's a, a very little girl at the start of the first season, and she she's a teenager, maybe fourteen or something, by the end of the third season. So well, I think there's, I think there's more chronology than that. I he think, has I think... a girlfriend. He doesn't have a girlfriend. Then he has a girlfriend. Then he doesn't. So yeah, there are things that move and change throughout the 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 show. But somehow I started on an episode <laughs> anyway. I found my way back to the start and watched it I'm glad to hear it. But what I did do as well, something that I rarely ever do, is what once once I'd finished watching, once the show, because the show's over and I'd, I'd reached all the episodes, I went back and watched a couple of different episodes in isolation and they are as enjoyable to watch for the second, they're very short, 20, 22 minutes, um, enjoyable to watch the second time around as they are. In fact, like many good things, you, you pick up some things that you maybe didn't notice the first time around. It's a really enjoyable program. I, I'm putting it next to Blue Murder as uh, the, the best violent Australian entertainment. If you're looking at violent Australian entertainment and you like violence then and you like Blue Murder, <laughs> then you will like Mr. Inbetween. There is lots of violence. In fact, mayhem and violence are pretty much all that it's about. I'd, I'd like to. I'd just like to jump in here and say and when would, when you say would, if you would. like violence, I mean, mm. I, I I I think it's yeah. important to to emphasise mm. that you're talking about narrative violence here. I think we should probably talk a little bit about what Mister In Between is about because not Let's. everybody's seen it. Let's. It is. I mean, it is a show that for a lot of people completely flew under the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's written and uh, created by written by stars a guy called Scott Ryan. The first time um, the character of Ray Shoesmith, who is the, the main character of Mr. Inbetween, um, surfaced was in a film called The Magician that was released in 2005. Scott made it as his, um, his graduation film um, when he was studying uh, film production at RMIT. And he actually <laughs> he actually started the film as his first year project. He resubmitted it as his second year project, <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, you know, pre- presented it as his third year project, his graduating project. And uh, not everybody at RMIT was enamoured of this idea, but that's what he did. And then, yeah. um, and then he cut a uh, like a, sh- a thirty minute short version of this, which went into the St Kilda Film Festival, where. Nash Edgerton, brother of Joel. Um, Nash Edgerton is a director, occasional actor and stuntman. Um, Nash uh, Edgerton saw the film, thought, well, there's something here, and then and ended, ended up basically befriending Scott. Uh, and they worked together to sort of cut a, a feature film, a feature film version of this, which was The Magician. It was released in 2005. It got a very small kind of... Um, audience, you know, I think it played only at the Kino in, in Melbourne is my, is my recollection. It was sort of a, a mockumentary um, about a hitman. Uh, he's called the magician because he can make bodies disappear. Right? Ah. That's that's the whole thing, right? Um, and the magician uh, does not appear as a, as a character or a reference in Mr. In Between until the second last episode. And it's a little throwaway moment and you can blink and you'd miss it, but it's there and it is a payoff. It's such a sweet, sweet payoff for anybody who's been on this journey since the beginning. Right? It's just, it's just lovely. I, I love the fact that it's there. Um, the series is Ray Shoesmith. It's the domestic life and the professional life of this guy who's a, He's a, a hitman. He's a he's basically a, a 
what is he? He's an enforcer, I guess you'd say, for um, sort of lower to middle level crims in Sydney, and um, and he he's a morally a, compromised character. I think it's fair to say he works as a as a security man bouncer in a club. For a well, very, he does he does that, but he, really, his, his the thing that makes him stand job. out. Yeah, the thing that he tells the um, parents of. Uh, the kids that his daughter goes to school with. He's in security. When it comes up, he said he's in security, yeah. <laughs> Afternoon, sir. Are you Ray Shoesmith? I don't answer questions. Can I help you? We're looking for a Ray Shoesmith. Does he live here? I don't answer questions. Okay, is there somebody here who can answer questions? I don't answer questions. Okay, I don't really know how to respond to that, sir. We just spoke to a woman by the name of Petra Jenkins. She says you threatened her and tried to menace her. Did she? Yeah. You got anything you want to say about that? I don't answer questions. Would you mind telling us why? I don't answer questions. Okay. Yeah. We'll come back later. Okay. Anyway, it's 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 a great great show. It's a really he's a he's a really complex character. I mean, in some ways, he's a very simple character. Um, he's got a code, and that code allows him to bump people off if he's paid money for it. Um, it it's just a job, you know. He mm-hmm. he works in the assumption that if somebody wants them gone, then they had their reasons, and you know whether they fair enough. Whether it turns out that they were the right or the wrong person. It's, mm. it, it doesn't sort of cause him a sleepless night at all. I've, I've, I don't think he's without conscience. Mm. I mean, I think he does. I, I think he probably does have sleepless nights. And I think mm-hmm. that becomes increasingly, you, you know, apparent, I think, certainly in the third season. No, probably, the second, I mean, across across the three seasons. It, well, without giving like, anything away, there is an event in his life that makes him stop and maybe take stock a little bit of... Uh, how he how he's living his life and i would say that i would say that there's events throughout and the and the key the key thing that makes him think about what he's doing is his daughter mm-hmm. i mean you know it's, he's got a, he's got a daughter he's got a she starts off as i think probably 10 or 11 and oh no probably 9 or 10 and then by then she's probably about 13 14 i think and i think there's this kind of it's never big. It's never stated. It's just kind of simmering away there in the background. It's like, is this how I want to be when she understands what it is I do? You know, I think, I think that's, you know, that's the thing that is rattling his cage more than anything. I reckon. No, it's a, it's a great show. And, uh, it's available um, on the Foxtel now, I believe network. It is on Foxtel. Yes. Um, I think there's, uh, what is it, 20, 23 episodes, I think. I think we're going to settle for uh, 23 episodes, okay? We're going to, we're going to do, do that? that yeah. And you can watch them in any order you like. You just watch them any way <laughs> I would recommend, they come off the pipes. I would recommend beginning <laughs> at the beginning. Sure. And I would also say, sure. I would also say, if by some miracle you manage to find the magician, mm. then have a look. But it's actually really hard to find the okay. point i was the point i was going to make though is like the, the these 23 episodes um as far as we can tell uh, sorry 26 episodes it is okay. um as far as we can tell that's it 
you know, I've, I've interviewed Scott a couple of times. I interviewed him back in 2005. I interviewed him in 2018 when this show, like the show that he'd been trying to get made since 2005 and had nibbles, it had, you know, there were, there were deals. I mean, you should, you should, if you, you know, if you're interested in it, the stories I've written about it, I, I think are really interesting just because it was such a long journey to get, mm-hmm. to get it to screen. I mean, he, you know, he was off driving taxis in Echuca because he'd given up anyway. Yeah. And then when he got the call from Nash Edgerton saying, hey, FX in America is interested in making the show, he said he felt physically ill, like <laughs> I'm just going to be disappointed again. Yeah. You know, he didn't, yeah. didn't believe it. But, you know, I think that when I when I talked to him about this on, you know, as we we're coming into the final episode, um, he just, he very clearly said, like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to shortchange the fans. I didn't want to do something that wasn't up to scratch. And mm-hmm. I kind of felt like I was running out of energy and ideas and, and you know, time to try something else. Okay, Carl, I drove to the country because I was allowed to drive to the country because I had to drive to the country because this is last Saturday, the day before I'd assembled a very fancy and futuristic hen house. So I had to go and buy two hens, didn't I, to put in the hen house for my daughter. What is a futuristic hen house? Man, I'm going to send you a photograph of this hen house and you're going to say, this is the hen house that I would have imagined in grade four when I was thinking about you know, being able to teleport myself to, to work or carry a helicopter in my briefcase like George Jetson. Right. This is the kind of hen house that I would have imagined, okay? It's very smooth. It looks like no hen house you've ever seen. Anyway, I assembled it and off we drove to a place right on the very edge of, uh, I won't say civilization, I will say metropolis. And I get there to get these two hens because there's very few hens about at the moment. If you're, if you're keen to get a hen, there's not a lot about uh, with the people who actually breed them and vaccinate them and, and that kind of bizarre. Get the hens. Go to pay for the hens. It turns out that these are the only people in Victoria who are only accepting cash. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I paid any cash for anything. Uh, and of course I had about half the money in my wallet required to pay for these two hands. Right. So the man says, don't worry, you can just go up the servo up the road. There's one just up the road because my bank, uh, pulled out the terminal in their town just a little while ago. So I had to go and buy something from the service station. So off I go, um, driving down the road at speed because I'm keen to get these hens and to get out of there. It's a long drive back home. Look through the rearview mirror and something, some wounded bird goes fluttering off behind. I think I haven't hit any bird. That's weird. I noticed that and driving along and I realised that that wasn't a bird that flew behind my car looking through the rear vision mirror. I go check my pockets, do a U-turn, speed back. It was my wallet that I'd left on the roof of the car. Oh, no. <laughs> so my daughter... And I spend an hour walking up and down the road, looking in muddy tractor ruts, (laughs) looking through the long grass, poking things with a stick, just walking up and down, up and down to no avail. I go and I call. Where's no avail? Oh, it's even farther away than this place. My wife tries to transfer. Somewhere in Wales, isn't it? No avail. (laughs) My wife tries to transfer the money. But, of course, this great bank that we belong to doesn't let you transfer money without the random number generator, which is on my desk. Neither of us are home. 
so we can't transfer the money to these good hen sellers. So why don't you ring your brother? Get him. Brother's not home. Brother's not answering. We've got these two hens in a box. Hungry daughter. No wallet. I'm ringing up the banks and I'm having to jump through the most ridiculous hoops to try and remember my last five transactions because I can't remember my password to get my cards cancelled. I'm having these visions of ASIO knocking on my door two years hence asking me about the arms deals I've been doing in Syria. How, how dodgy do you sound when you're calling the bank? going, I've lost my wallet. I can't remember what I last bought. Oh, no, I don't I, have a pin. I did. I said, I, I said, I bought some underpants. I bought some socks. I bought some petrol. We don't want to know what you bought. We want to know the amount of the transaction. Oh, um, $76.77 for the petrol. No, no. And it was just diabolical. Oh, so finally. I bought, finally. I bought some fertilizer. I bought some bleach. <laughs> finally, uh. My wife finds somebody who can trans. One of her mates transfers the money for these hens, and I'm allowed to take them. And I'm very unhappy because uh, I feel like an idiot uh, for having put my wallet on the roof of my car, and it's just gone. And and the the money that I had in was not of no consequence. It wasn't a huge amount, obviously, but um, still, I'm annoyed, as you would imagine. I'm going to have to get a new driver's license and a new this and a new that. And driving and the phone rings, and there's this man calling me from Rosebud. I say, Rosebud? Yeah, I'm at the Rosebud police station. One of our good citizens of Rosebud has found your wallet and has brought it to the Rosebud police station. No way. Yes way. And I say, well, thank you. Thank you. Where, and he says, do you want to come down and get it? I'm like, oh, no. You went. You went. <laughs> Rosebud. I did. I did. And, and he, he, he got it, of course, being a cinema, cinema buff <laughs> like we all are. And uh, I, I, I nominated a police station. I said, send it here. It's near where I live. So he goes, okay, that's that. We're almost there. I get a call on Monday. That police station doesn't exist. I've just made up a police station. Like, Why not? <laughs> Why is there a police station there? There should be a police station there. And the, the, the jovial cop says, well, you should call your MP. Tell your local MP. Get her to put in a police station. <laughs> so I finally get my wallet. Of course, the money's gone. Of course, one of my <sighs> cards is gone. But having... Uh, cancelled them. I'm not too perturbed, but I am pleased that you can put your wallet on the roof of your car, have it flutter away. Someone will immediately pounce upon it and take it to a police station much farther ha- away. Having, <laughs> having first taken the, the, the credit card and cash. And look, I'm, I'm going to presume it wasn't that person who handed it yeah. in, that somebody else had got there before her and, and done it. But uh, a, good sure le- that's right. a good lesson that I already knew, because the last time I did that, I was a teenager and put a bunch of records on the roof of my car and drove oh, off. Oh, dear Lord. I still shudder about that. So the good lesson you learned is mm-hmm. don't be an idiot? Yeah, don't be an idiot. And, and look, <laughs> it, even though you call somebody three times and at no point do they tell you you'll need to bring cash, ask, ask, ask. If you're going to drive an hour and a half somewhere to buy something, it really is on you to ask if they are accepting cards at this point, contactless and so on and so forth. I'm I'm just think, trying to work out here. Are, are you somehow saying this whole palaver was their fault? Oh, it's their fault. It's the bank's fault for pulling out the ATM. It's the <laughs> it's... bank's fault for needing a random number generator to be able to transfer money when you're in the shopping centre somewhere and you, haven't, you don't carry your random number It's the fault of the police here. for not having a station where you <laughs> thought there was one. Now, that is, that is true. That is really... <laughs> this place needs a police station. There's... 
big houses, <laughs> shops, a town hall. How could you have a town hall and no police station? It beggars belief. So it's everybody's Very law-abiding fault. citizens Except in this place. Except me. It's not my fault. It's everybody else's fault. Dear Lord. <laughs> Dear Lord. Carl, I went to the movies. It was one of those little periods where you could go to the movies. There, there wasn't heaps on. In fact, there were only two. There was one film that I wanted to see that compl- I can't even remember what it's called, and it completely disappeared. One minute it was on everywhere. The next minute it was gone. And it was, was it like, The Vanishing? Oh, no, <laughs> it begins with L. It's a film that begins with L and it's set Lapsus? in... Yeah, there you go. That's it. Lapsus is great. I wanted I to really see it. enjoyed Lapsus. It disappeared. I saw the trailer wow. for it on yeah. at the Palace Cinemas. I look up the Palace Cinemas, no one's showing. I, it, looked, it looked great. Yeah, uh, it's it's good. It's uh, I, I don't know if you saw um, Sorry to Bother You a couple of years ago. I did. Uh, yeah, I did. Okay. I really so liked I, I would, it. Yeah. I would put it. I would put it in the same um, micro genre mm-hmm. <laughs> of uh, sort of dystopian work kind of satire yeah. kind yeah. of things. You know, it's like this is it, you know very much about the gig economy and yeah. technology basically you know making slaves of people, um, certainly of workforces. You know, mm. the convenience that the the consumer gets comes at the expense of the crappiness of the working conditions of the the poor schleps who make it happen and uh it's good it's a a really really smart funny film i mean it's not when i say funny it's not hilarious but it's just like it's a little bit off kilter the whole way through and i I really enjoyed it i think you might have meant schlubs not schlips just a schlubs schlubs is exactly the schlubs (laughs) the schlubs who do the schlepping is what i meant (laughs) yeah i knew i knew that you knew what you meant there Yeah, anyway. uh, Yiddish-speaking friends, though. Yeah, deserve- so that's a film that I did yeah. see, but you did not. No, no, I didn't. I wish I had, and I'll, I will try. I'm sure I'll, I'll have my opportunity, but I did see... Uh, I, I'm not sure what it's called, but it's something like The Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife. The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard? Yeah, there we go, The Hitman's Wife. Is that what wife's, it is? Yep, 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 I saw that. And, it, it, I, and I saw it because I saw the, the previous one. Uh, I can remember... Uh, watching it on television. so it was Which on, was the Hitman's Bodyguard, right? Hitman's Bodyguard. And yeah. I thought it was just hilarious. There's some, he's got this style, Ryan Reynolds is the star, of um, self-deprecating but cynical and snide, nasty and funny, you know, exactly my type of guy. And uh, it, it, it was hilarious. It's, this one is also hilarious. Perhaps not so, not so much. It's... Uh, has comic book violence, lots of explosions, car chases, machine guns. There is some kind of plot, but it's really pointless to even uh, talk about the plot. It's just three stars, Samuel Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson, and Salma Hayek and Ryan Reynolds uh, fighting and arguing and being chased all over the continent, all, not over the continent, all over Italy with lots of explosions and hijinks. And it's funny, but it's really stupid, like, you, you, it may be too stupid. It may be not as funny for some people, but uh, I was one of four people in the cinema laughing like a drain. The other people, <laughs> shtum, silence. I'm screaming my head off at some very funny jokes and no one is saying a word, no shoulders jumping up and nothing. I'm just alone. Does that, is that because you have a much more finely tuned sense of humor and intellect? Oh, it is. I'm, I'm one of those guys 
that, that can <laughs> laugh at subtle wordplay, but also at someone being pushed down a flight of stairs. You know, I, I can... I'm, very I'm, few things... With me. Very few things are as funny as watching somebody fall over. Yeah, it's as Kurt Vonnegut said. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's mm. uh, very funny, and it's always been funny since the dawn of filmed entertainment. Watching what, what, someone what, fall do they, over. what do they say? You know, the difference between comedy and tragedy. When I fall over, it's a tragedy. When you fall over, it's a comedy. <laughs> exactly. So I, I can recommend this film in the way that I can't recommend Baby Driver. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. Baby Driver is is schlocky entertainment, right? I was there's, a bit ambivalent about Baby Driver. There's nothing. Great, great nothing, soundtrack. Nothing great soundtrack. Funny. But, yeah, it's great yeah. soundtrack. There's nothing. Yeah. Take me take me fifteen minutes to put together that soundtrack. So there's no work <laughs> in that whatsoever. But uh, <laughs> it'd take you longer than that to get the rights oh, to use yeah, it. Though. I'll, I'll get someone else to do that, mate. But this <laughs> this has uh, humor, charismatic acting. Some overacting by 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 someone who who I, I'll leave it for us as a surprise in case anybody gets to see it without reading reviews. They're just going to take it on my recommendation. There is a surprise guest star who is nowhere near as great as this person is cracked up to be, and I think the film could have done without this expensive guest star and just had a regular person, a regular actor in that role. But you know, uh, it doesn't ruin the film at all. It's a really I- enjoyable film. Yeah. You may or may not know this, but mm. the guy who directed this film yeah. and The Hitman's Bodyguard, yeah. is a fellow called Patrick Hughes. Yeah. He's from Melbourne. I knew this. Mm. I did know this. He, he no, burst no, onto no. the scene with Red Hill, which is a, a sort of really clever, tight, little um, low-budget thriller that was shot in um, Omeo, I think it was. Okay. Um, and then he got his big break uh, with The Expendables 3, the uh, so yeah. <laughs> <Saw laughs> one and two, of course. But of course, three. he did. Of course, he did. Well, it turned out that the Expendables three was a bit expendable because just before it was supposed to be in cinemas, right? And it was going to be a big deal for him, right? This is the mm-hmm. big sort of Hollywood breakthrough moment. Um, mm. The the uh, it was it was leaked on the internet, and oh. so it just like it was everywhere and uh, illegally torrented and killed the box office performance of it so it's yeah it's interesting you know that could have been i mean it was obviously disastrous for the film and the producers and so on but it it, i think it probably probably knocked hidden for for a little bit of a six for a while um for sure yeah yeah. but anyway it's good to see he's back and doing doing stuff i'm i'm sorry that it's it's not as funny as the first one but that's an inevitability with, with sequels because it, it means it's unlikely to have, have a, a third one, the hitman's bodyguard's wife's child. The hitman's wife's brother's bodyguard. Yeah, maybe. exactly. I can't see yeah, it yeah. going anywhere. Or the hitman's... Me, no, yeah. actually, to follow the logic yeah. of it, it would actually go the hitman's wife's bodyguard's wife. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. Excellent. I think it's almost <laughs> worth making just for the title. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd pay to see it, but I'd pay to see somebody oh, I, I, put that title on a poster. <laughs> I did pay. Everything we've talked about, I paid for, by the way. Everything we talked about. Hitman, hens. Thanks for listening to The Clappers. You'll hear from us again. You can like us on social media pages on Facebook. You can go to our page and do that if you like. If you've been missing us, we promise we won't be so tardy. No, this no, time. no, 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 no. We'll, we'll, we'll be back really soon. Don't worry, we've got a whole system happening. Really good system.